You are listening to Supporting Supporters, a Change to Chill podcast. This is a free mental well-being resource offered by Alina Health. My name is Tanya Freeman. I'm a licensed psychologist and regional lead psychologist with Alina Health. These podcast episodes are aimed with the goal of providing quick, tangible resources and information from Alina Health mental health providers on a range of mental health topics relevant to day-to-day lives of the listener. We invite you to join us in any way you please, whether you sit back and kick your feet up, or as you engage in movement, your daily commute, or as you prepare for your day. However you choose to join us, we welcome you and we honor your time. My name is Sarah Paper, and I'm a licensed psychologist with Alina Health. I work mostly with children and adolescents. I am also the parent of a 10th grader, 7th grader, and 3rd grader. So, as you can imagine, the topic of bullying is something I address in the office. Well, and if I'm being honest, there are times I get a front seat to it in my home. My hope is that those facts are experienced as evidence of my expertise versus casting doubt on the efficacy of this episode. Behavior is a serious problem with short and long-term effects on all individuals involved, including the bystanders. Bullying is defined as repeated intentional acts of aggression, which include an imbalance of power and are directed toward an individual or a group of individuals who are not able to easily defend themselves. Now, I do think there are times when people use the term bullying very loosely, and that might include more teasing or people might consider inappropriate jokes. Now, if we have the definition of bullying be too broad to include those things, we run a risk of underreacting when bullying is reported because those kind of teasing and playful or inappropriate jokes are going to happen way more often than actual bullying. And so then if we use the term to include those, if we use bullying to include those teasing and, and inappropriate comments, then we might not respond the way we should when it actually is serious. So I think it's really important to be clear with kids and help them understand what is and isn't bullying. That those other experiences shouldn't be addressed and students shouldn't be helped to improve on those behaviors, but rather just to keep the bullying as bullying. I think I made that clear. All right, let's move on to the next part. He is being bullied. They can feel insecure and a constant state of vigilance. The individual's mind is likely to be preoccupied with how to avoid, escape, or prevent the bullying. He or she may be reluctant to participate in activities or develop friendships. This can stunt their development. There can also be physical consequences of bullying. There may be physical injuries, obviously, um, or headaches, bedwetting, sleep disturbance, appetite suppression, and stomach aches. Many other somatic symptoms might be present as well. Research completed in 2015 by Baldwin and colleagues found that children who experienced chronic bullying showed higher levels of body fat and were at greater risk for being overweight than compared to their non-bullied counterparts. And in 2011, Knack and colleagues completed research with outcomes suggesting individuals who were bullied had changes that could increase their sensitivity to pain responses. Suggests that there are children and adolescents who bully others because they have some form of maladjustment or are motivated by establishing their status in their social network. Now, there's a stereotype of a bully that's somebody who has high degrees of psychopathology, maybe low social skills, and in general, 
lacking social appealing assets and characteristics. Now, there's some research that suggests that there are children who bully others and still have considerable power within their peer network and maybe even be considered popular perpetrators. Those might be described as attractive or athletic. I mean, really the research shows that there are different types of bullying, but my point is just not to rule out a kid as a bully just because they might be socially appealing or socially successful. Research that suggests that individuals who bully might also have higher rates of those psychosomatic problems than their uninvolved peers. Additionally, individuals who have been found to struggle the most in terms of bullying are those who have been both perpetrators and targets of bullying. In 2015, Holt and colleagues completed a multi-level meta-analysis of cross-sectional longitudinal studies in the United States, that's a lot to say, and found a significant association between bullying perpetration and suicidal ideation. The association with suicidal ideation was stronger among those who were both perpetrators and targets of bullying incidents. It's important to note that these findings were consistent with other studies. There has been research discovering brain differences even between children with the tendency to bully others. And between bullying and suicidal ideation, I think it's really important to consider, given that suicide is one of the leading causes of death among young people. So if we can get a better handle on bullying, we can reduce potentially lower deaths among children and adolescents. There are proven and encouraging prevention and intervention strategies for bullying. The bad news, some of the common responses have been found not to work and may even magnify the problems. Let's go over some of those. Many schools have zero tolerance policies with consequences, including suspension and expulsion. So this may sound good. You know, we hear that. We're like, oh, good, zero tolerance. That might mean zero bullying. But really, first, the bullying needs to be reported. And research suggests that many students are reluctant to report bullying. And some speculate that the threat of suspension or expulsion may be a factor contributing to that reluctance, meaning like you don't want to report it because it will be taken so seriously that the person will get in bigger trouble than you might feel is warranted. So then kids are waiting until it's really bad or too late. Mind is that bullying is often an early sign of other behavior problems like truancy, fighting, theft, vandalism. So we also want to think about how intervening with bullying can help prevent some other behaviors that might develop in that individual who's engaging in that behavior. And there are times when suspension and expulsion are necessary, but really this should not be the standard of prevention or intervention. Our less than effective approach is conflict resolution or peer mediation. Bullying is not a conflict that needs to be talked out and resolved. It's a form of victimization. There should not be any responsibility or expectation placed on the victims of bullying to help resolve that. And these types of meetings are often experienced as embarrassing and maybe very intimidating for the student who's been the victim of bullying. It needs to be sent to the victim that we as a school, as adults, are going to stop this from happening. Thank you for telling us. Now we're going to intervene and it will not happen again. And with the bully, adults and schools need to be saying, you cannot do this and we're going to help you so that you don't. More thing that's been found to be less than effective, and that's something that some schools do. It's group therapy to address bullying behaviors. With therapy designed to teach the children in the group anger management, empathy building, and improving self-esteem. Now, 
this intervention can also make things worse. It sounds great, but there is a potential for group members to be role models for each other, which only reinforce the target behaviors that we're aiming to extinguish. Let's talk about what works. So I found a really nice article by Barbara Coloroso. I hope I'm saying that right. So it's titled The Bully, the Bullied, and the Bystander and Breaking that, Cy that Cycle of Violence. Explains that bullying is not about anger, even about conflict. It's about contempt, a powerful feeling of dislike towards someone considered to be worthless, inferior, or undeserving of respect. Contempt comes with three apparent psychological advantages that allow kids to harm others without feeling empathy or compassion or shame. And those are that sense of entitlement, the right to control or dominate others or abuse them, an intolerance towards difference, and a liberty to exclude, to bar, isolate, segregate a person that they deem unworthy of respect and humane treatment. Barbara talks about the seven steps to stop bullying, and those include discipline, creating opportunity to do good, nurturing empathy, teaching friendship skills, monitoring what they're looking at as far as like video games and television. So that would be something that would be done more at home and engaging in constructive, entertaining, energizing activities and teaching ways to will good. And as far as discipline, the important things were restitution, resolution, and reconciliation. So you've done something wrong, you've hurt somebody, how can you make it better? How can you make that person better? About this is it also gives that opportunity for that individual who's engaging in those bullying behaviors to do something good and feel good about themselves. And when we feel good about ourselves, we treat others better. Research aspect of the talk today. Now I want to talk about my own experiences and things that I found helpful. So one thing that's worked for me when I've done group therapy or worked in milieu settings was that when there was any bullying taking place was to stop the activity immediately and directly address and discuss the behavior. This sends a message that nothing is more important than a safe environment for learning. Followed up at a later time with the individual who's engaging in the bullying to have a conversation about why that person is engaging in that behavior and working on building some empathy, helping them understand how their behavior might impact that person that they're bullying. An important question to ask is if the individual bullying has ever felt that way, the way that they identified the person they're bullying might feel. And this is to help them feel some compassion and connection with the victim. Discover what the individual who's bullying might be missing in their life and how we can give them a sense of power that doesn't include aggression or intimidating others. Help you keep a closer eye on them and give you the opportunities to be a role model. Giving kids a mentor, kids who are bullying, some sort of adult that they can look up to and spend time with can reduce some of those bullying behaviors and tendencies. To respond to being bullied or even just being teased in a way that feels uncomfortable for them. One thing I've learned from improv is the skill of yes and. Having worked a lot with adolescents, I've had to use this myself and have found it effective. And I also recommend it to kids who are being bullied. So if somebody says like, oh my gosh, your clothes are so stupid or something like that, being like, yeah, I know, but they look so good on me or something kind of playful like that. Now, if the person being bullied doesn't have kind of wit, figuring out how they can respond um, in another way. So that might be just being honest. So if somebody says like, your clothes are really ugly, Maybe just saying, like, I know I wish mine were as nice as yours. If 
a kid is telling one kid that they're stupid, um, having that kid say, yeah, I wish I was as smart as you. I wish school came easy for me like it does for you. That would be really nice. So you see how that can help encourage that perspective taking and that empathy building. It makes a kid feel guilty, uncomfortable versus fighting back, which makes that other kid feel aggressive and then perpetuates the bullying behavior. Now for the bystanders, the friends, the recommendation I often give kids is not to fight that bully, but rather focus on what that friend or that classmate needs. And we often need somebody to see us, to hear us, to support us, to say that's not true. What they did to you is not okay. I think you're cool. I like your clothes. I think you're smart or I also struggle in school. So having that other person there, that friend that can be there for them and see them differently so that they know that not everybody is going to treat them this way and that other people see it wrong. I usually mention, but I forgot to you, with the yes and, a good scene, old reference, shows my age, but in the movie Eight Mile, Eminem does a really great job in the wrap-off. However, do not share that with a student. Um, there are words in there that you might have forgotten if you've seen the movie, and they're, they're really not appropriate to share with a younger person, even a teenager. So anyway, I hope that this podcast has been helpful. The topic of bullying is a pretty lofty one, and I hope I covered it enough to make it worth your time. I know that you all are very busy and have a lot of students to care for. I thank you so much for the work you do. On behalf of Alina Health and Change to Chill, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We do hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope that you join us in other episodes covering even more interesting topics with mental health providers. As always, you can find the show notes and any accompanying research and tools at the Change to Chill website at www.changetochill.org. In health and in wellness, take care and see you next time.